Hey, it's Larry. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I had such an amazing, eye-opening, life-changing experience at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto that I want others to have that opportunity, too. So Becca Miller and I and 24 of our PD community friends have launched a year-long WPC Travel Grant Fundraiser. We're each doing a two-week Facebook fundraiser. Mine's underway right now because my birthday's January 9th. All the money raised will be used to help offset travel costs so more people with young-onset Parkinson's can attend the next WPC in Barcelona in 2022. You can search out details on the When Life Gives You Parkinson's Facebook page or donate directly to the WPC website. Go to wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. If you or your business would like to supply matching funds... Hey, good on you. Email me at parkinsonspot at curiouscast.ca. And now, on with the show. It's time for another extra dosage episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. And I'm Nikki Reitmeyer. Extra dosage episodes are those in-between bits, special bonus content to get you through until the next full episode. Nikki, when we started this podcast, one of my aims was to tell my story and introduce you to the people that I meet along my journey in an effort to demystify Parkinson's and, and really encourage others to share their story. Yeah, that's right, because... When we share stories, you know, we raise awareness about Parkinson's, which, of course, in turn, attracts more donor dollars to do more research to find a cure. Exactly. Hopefully. You've been listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thrilled to report that stories are being shared quite a bit, uh, whether it's sharing your diagnosis with your Facebook group or documenting experiences on Instagram or sharing your story on a video on YouTube, making a feature film, writing a blog or a poem or drawing cartoons. As a community, those of us with Parkinson's are sharing more of what we're going through. And do you think that that's making a difference? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just anecdotally, like Mm. yesterday, somebody made a comment on the podcast, and I love getting comments on the podcast. Uh, It was Johnny in Canada. He says, I don't have Parkinson's, but I've learned so much through listening to Larry and everyone close to him talk about it. This is really a window into Larry's life. It's so good. Oh, cool. So, so like even people without Parkinson's are hearing the stories. And now they're more aware of Parkinson's and that, that's key. And then there was a, another listener, uh, whose uncle, this, uh, Anthony lives in the United States. He has an uncle with Parkinson's and now Anthony's organizing a charity run this year to help raise money. That's Aha. Awesome. See, so now the, there's the raising money part. Right, right, right. And of course, this money being raised for research with that ultimate goal that hopefully one day, you know, they're going to be able to find a cure for Parkinson's. But, you know, finding that cure, it, it still seems like a lofty goal, doesn't it? Well, sure. But I think it's reasonable to think that we can figure this out ultimately. Yeah. Uh, but don't get wrapped up in the how difficult a cure is going to be to find and develop. <laughs> there are other people much smarter than me <laughs> that are trying to do that even today. Uh, what we have to do, what we can work on is sharing our stories. And each of our stories is very different. And to that end, today on The Extra Dosage, I want to introduce you to Jim Redman. Now, Jim reached out after listening to our podcast. Uh, He is a high school teacher and a volleyball coach in Ottawa. He and his wife, Krista, have three grown kids, and he was diagnosed three years ago. Today, he's my age. He's 47. Uh, And I talked to Jim for the next full episode about what it's like to be a teacher with Parkinson's. Oh, interesting. But today... I thought would be a good place to introduce Jim's story so you can get to know him and what he's gone through up until this point. For me, it was 
I was having a really hard time uh, running in a straight line uh, and keeping up the pace that I that I was going at. Now, I mean, I have always been active, but um, and running was what I would do most often. Although, you know, to be honest, I was never particularly fast at it, but um, I just kept on getting slower and slower. And then when I would try to speed up. Um, I would, I would start to stumble or I would, uh, weave all over the path that I was running at, uh, you know, and, uh, during the course of the winter, um, I fell three or four times, uh, just in situations where I, I would start to go down and couldn't do anything to stop myself. Uh, and then I guess one day while I was driving, um, my right pinky just fluttered once uh, and I looked at that and, and my, uh, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother had Parkinson's when I guess I was a teenager. Uh, and I actually thought to myself at that point, I said, well, I, geez, I, I wonder if this is going to turn out to be Parkinson's. And, you know, uh, I guess about six months later, uh, it, uh, it did. And what was the reaction at the time for you and Krista? Um, well, at the time, it was uh, a little bit of relief, to be honest, because it was the answer to the question of, you know, just what was going on. Uh, because, you know, uh, there are things that look like Parkinson's that aren't Parkinson's uh, that, uh, as you know, that uh, that can be fairly scary. So, uh, you know, you have to go through all the blood work. Uh, the urine tests, those sorts of things to try to get the process of elimination. It was diagnosed as Parkinson's. And so then it was something that we could, we finally had a name uh, that we could tackle, I guess. So then it was, all right, well, what, uh, you know, what medications can we start to take? And is there any lifestyle changes uh, that I can make to, you know, try to make sure that my quality of life gets, uh, gets better and stays that way, I guess, for as long as we can make it. And so what are some of those changes that you've uh, adopted? Um, well, it's, uh, uh, well, the medication. Is it levodopa? Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah, the carbidopa, levodopa. So that's three or four times a day, depending on, you know, how I'm dealing with my symptoms. Uh, and then there's the, I take Azelect a pill of that in the morning. And then there's a, a new pro patch that I change once a day as well. What's the patch do for you? What's the, so it's a dopamine agonist. So, uh, you know, not that I'm, you know, fully versed in the technical aspects of it, but I, apparently it's supposed to open up the dopamine receptors in my brain so that the dopamine that gets produced or, you know, the synthetic dopamine that gets in there uh, is is taken into my brain uh, a little bit better. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah so good it's, stuff. And it's a packet. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, I think what else I've done is, uh, you know, as soon as you get diagnosed, you do a, a tremendous amount of reading. And one of the things I came across, or we came across, was this a study related to uh, diet and how that impacts symptoms. So, you know, basically I've cut out uh, 95% of the dairy that, uh, that I used to take in, red meat, deep fried foods. Uh, and and uh, so that, uh, that's, that's been about two years 
now that uh, I think since I've had a, a hamburger or nachos or fish and chips, uh, which, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, when we used to go out to, we still do, but when we used to go out to pubs, we'd, uh, you know, we'd have a couple of beer and, and uh, some nachos and a salad and play some cribbage. Uh, so we, we can, we still do that occasionally, but, uh, we just change what it is that we order. Does the diet work for you? You feel like it's uh, working? You know what? I do feel like it's working. I think when I was first diagnosed, I was, I was hopeful that that would be, you know, the worse or like the, the level of Parkinson's that I was experiencing would, uh, start to decrease, uh, for, you know, for a few years at least before the progression of it. Uh, you know, finally became to, you know, progress beyond the point of what uh, the medication uh, at that current level could deal with. And and I think that it, it has done that. So, I mean, when I was, you know, I, my tremor was uh, almost always constant. Uh, and, you know, the, the stiffness is still there. The, the, the you know, the, the muscle tightness and, and cramps are still there. But I guess the outward appearance of Parkinson's uh, it has decreased since I was first diagnosed. And, and so I think part of that is due to, you know, the things like the medication, the, uh, the diet change. Um, I've actually upped my activity, uh, level. Uh, you know, I, I read an article on, uh, biking through Iowa and how that helps some people with their Parkinson's symptoms. So, you know, I've switched from running to cycling. And, uh, and I do that as often as I can or some, uh, interval training. I used to do the boxing for a, a few rounds when I, I heard, uh, the episode that you, uh, you tried the, uh, the different activities. And so I can remember going to the boxing, um, hitting the bag and making that, uh, having that make me feel a little bit better just in terms of, uh, you know, getting some frustration out, but also, uh, using different muscles. Yeah, to different intensities to uh, to to do that, but I I found that cycling works best for me right now. Good for uh, you. That's that's hard whoop. to do. That's hard for me to do. So <laughs> you know, yeah. good on you. Dude, <laughs> I hear you. It is hard, but um, so if I and, and not always am I able to do it. So, but I I feel it if I take uh, a day off. Uh, I feel it the next day. Um, I mean, just like you, I went. Some physiotherapy, and I found that that makes a, a really big difference as well. So even though I don't exercise seven days a week all the time, I do stretch uh, seven days a week for half an hour to forty-five minutes every night, and uh, I find that really helps with sleep and uh, and just you know general movement. So those are, I mean, all those things combined, and and it's a lot. I sometimes. Uh, you know, people say that Parkinson's is a full-time job and, and, and to a certain extent it is, it's, uh, I spend, uh, wow, I spend a few hours every day just trying to, uh, maintain the quality of life that I have right now and hold off Parkinson's for as long as I can so that hopefully someone will uh will will come up with uh, the answer to say here take this and uh, we can get rid of parkinson's when you were diagnosed did you realize it was going to be so much work no no i didn't uh you know what to be honest when i was diagnosed for 
uh, for as much as I said that we were happy because there there was an answer, I actually thought that, well, you know what, that's it. Uh, my quality of life is going to go like into the toilet, uh, you know, because when you, the stereotypical, uh, you know, Parkinson's person is older and stooped and, and doesn't do a lot of physical activity. And here I was at 44, uh, diagnosed with, with young onset. And, and like you, I mean, when you mention young onset, the, the only person you can think of is Michael J. Fox, uh, maybe Muhammad Ali, and uh, and and so yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a lot harder uh, to come to grips with it. But then, you know, once you start to take the medication and feel better and and do the research and figure out, well, you know what, I can do a little bit more, uh, and you do it and you start to feel the benefit of it, you just keep on going, but. You know, three years in, uh, if I were to look back to myself three years ago and say, you know what, Jim, you're going to have to spend, you know what, uh, two to sometimes five hours a day working on this thing, uh, I wouldn't have believed myself. So, no, I didn't realize it was going to be this much work. Uh, and I, I guess, you know, I guess it, I, I, I choose for it to be uh, this much work, but, uh, yeah, which makes a difference, uh, in my mindset, but no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't count on Parkinson's becoming this much of my life. Yeah. I don't think I did either. Um, yeah. and it's, I don't know. It's, there are days where you're like, is it all worth it? And then if you, if you take a day off, you're like, Oh God, I got to get back on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And sometimes it's just like, you know what? No, I, I am not doing this today. Uh, you know what? It's uh, I, I'm tired or, you know what? I'm getting a cold or I don't feel well or it's just been a hectic day. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm not going to spend 45 minutes on a bike uh, downstairs, uh, you know, watching a video or I'm not going to go to the gym and, and get on an elliptical machine or a treadmill or, or do an interval workout. I'm, I'm just tired. Uh, and so, yeah, I get that. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, one of the things I, I say to people who ask is, you know what I wasn't, I'm, and sometimes I'm still not just prepared for, like the everydayness of Parkinson's, because really it's always there. I, I don't think there's been a day that has gone by since I was diagnosed that I haven't felt at some point that I have Parkinson's. Yeah, it's funny it's, uh, when I, uh, I think of like the early doctor's appointments and stuff I had with my neurologist, and they're like, well, don't let it take over your life. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. How could it not take over your life? It's something that, it, I mean, really, it's always there. Uh, and you know what? You, I, you read the, the books by people who have gone through it, and they they talk about you know it took them a few years to get to the this this level of acceptance that doesn't mean giving in, but means you know sort of coming to peace with having it. And 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 I can get there sometimes, but I, I must admit I still struggle uh, with that. I still I mean I'm still frustrated. Uh, at having Parkinson's, I still, you know, what I I hate having Parkinson's. I've, I'm still frustrated with how it can, without any warning, 
you know, impact uh, what I'm doing in the day. And uh, I, I think it's it's almost impossible not to think about uh, having Parkinson's. Yeah, I don't uh, like don't. You're right. It's don't don't you know we don't know. Don't let it try to take over your life. You can still have a, a you know a, a healthy life and to you know an extent. Obviously, you can, but. Uh, and I know that everyone is different, but whew, just trying to, you know, go on like uh, like it's just an added part of your life. I, I find that pretty difficult. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading uh, Michael J. Fox's book, Always Looking Up. And he was say- mm. and he, he was saying in there that uh, people are like, oh, well, you know, because you're such a voice for the cause, you know, there, there's, you know, uh, that, that, that's why you got Parkinson's. He goes, no, there's no reason why I got Parkinson's. I'm just trying to make the most of a bad situation. It sucks having Parkinson's. I'm summarizing, but I mean, that's, and that, that's what it is. It's like, hey, this is the cards we were dealt. So what, what are we going to do? Are we going to fold or are we going to play the hand? That's right. And, and that's, yeah. And, and to be honest, that's one of the reasons why I'm like, I'm impressed with this, uh, the podcast that you're doing. It's, uh, because it's it's something that you know it's something that you can do, right? And it's uh, I think that's a that's an important message to put out to those of us that have Parkinson's, right? There is there is something that you can do. Uh, you know, you hear the stories about people who get diagnosed and and they shut themselves in and and uh, are are by themselves. And I think, wow, that's that's a that's a tough situation gone made worse uh so yeah i always try to you know be as positive as i can be and i you know sometimes i struggle with that but be as positive as i can be and always look at you know what it is that i can do to try to make it better and that's i mean to be honest i get a lot of help from krista with that uh uh, so it's it's good to have a you know a, a, a person or a group of people in your corner saying you know what you're you're doing pretty good uh, I know it's it's tough but keep at it I can see uh, that it's that it's making a difference and yeah you know what today might be uh, not so good but but you know tomorrow is a different day and uh, just keep on putting in the work and 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 you hopefully will see some some progress. So that is your extra dosage. As always, we're always very grateful to have Parkinson Canada as a partner for this podcast. And you can find more information at parkinson.ca. And you will hear more from Jim Redmond about what it's like to be a teacher with Parkinson's on the next episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Plus this. You are good at your job and you love your job and it takes a lot of energy. So when you come home in the evenings, typically... You're tired. How do you tell your colleagues and and go to your place of employment and, and tell them that you have something that is degenerative like this? I was scared. The employer itself may not be aware of what it means to have Parkinson's and how it impacts and does not impact an individual. So it's okay to educate your employer a bit. If you ever hear me in a meeting going, mm, 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 you know, you've asked me a question and you want an answer and a decision and I, I, I can't do that at the minute. I just need a bit longer. Well, like maybe Larry won't be able to do his job anymore so maybe we should replace Larry. I've talked to others. They're like, I'm not going to tell my boss. I'd be too scared to do that. Where does that come from? At least for me, it came from a feeling that somehow 
the day after diagnosis, you're going to be perceived as lesser in the uh, in the eyes of your employer. I think that in most cases that that's a false fear. I mean, are there cases where people, where employers have retaliated? I myself uh, was involved in only a few years ago with a very serious matter, also involving an individual that had suffered from Parkinson's, and his employer, let's put it, uh, put it this way, treated him not the way it should have. Thank you for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. And while you're there, give the show a rating and feel free to comment as well. We are reading the comments and loving the comments. Yeah. Thank you. Tell your friends about the show. You can tag us on social media at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also jot us a note, Parkinson's Pod at CuriousCast.ca. If you have a Parkinson story you'd like to share, please don't hesitate to reach out. Keep positive. Keep exercising. And keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.